0: Fresh Air Production Hello, here at Fresh Air Production we make branded podcasts all day long, so we talk about them a lot and think about them pretty much all the time. But we know that this makes us a bit weird and that many people who want to make a branded podcast don't know where to start, so that's why we created this Fresh Ears. I'm Neil Canling, the founder of Fresh Air, and in this podcast, we choose a different project each episode and then gather together with the client and the producer to talk and think about how it came together. In the end, we might learn something, you might learn something, and who knows, you might end up making that branded podcast you've talked about for ages. This week, we're looking back on a project that captures great storytelling and painted pictures to try and change the public's perception of the brand. The client is the Royal Botanic Gardens Kew, home to Kew Gardens and Wakehurst, and the podcast is called Unearthed, Mysteries from an Unseen World.
1: Fungi are everywhere, from the moment you wake up.
2: When you wake up and you are wearing pyjamas, if they are made of cotton, many fungi produce enzymes that are used in the treatment of the cotton fabric.
1: In your bathroom cabinet...
2: If you have high cholesterol, the statins, these cholesterol-lowering drugs, they are isolated from fungi. Or if you have a bacterial infection, you would take an antibiotic, penicillin. We discover fungi every single day.
0: So how do you go beyond making a nice podcast about flowers and plants to creating something that really stands out and surprises people? Well, with us to talk this through are Meryl Westlake, the Senior Digital Content Manager at Royal Botanic Gardens Q, and Catherine Kerr, the Senior Producer on this project for Fresh Air. So, uh, Merrill, gardens are nice to look at, so you could just do lots of pretty pictures and lots of great visual content. Why did Kew Gardens decide to make a podcast?
3: It's a really good question because we obviously do quite a lot of photos and a lot of stories and a lot of film and Kew is a very visual place and Wakehurst as well our other gardens so you as an immersive experience enter the gardens and you your senses are absolutely taken over by the sights the sounds the smells of such a wonderful place. However Kew is not just the gardens and having this walled physical gardens makes people feel like they can't always enter unless they have to pay a fee when actually a lot of our work is global and the gardens are just a demonstration of that work. We have not just the horticultural expertise, but we also have a huge science and global partnership, uh, conservation, research, medicinal, botanical, taxonomical, an endless list of experts who work to try and understand why plants and fungi are important to all life on earth. So we really wanted to tell that story and being in the gardens is just a piece of the puzzle. So how do we get people excited about plants and fungi? How do they connect better with the natural world? How do we make them cool in the same way that animals have always been a bit cool? Uh, So that was the challenge that we kind of set ourselves and one of the reasons we approached a podcast is because it's a whole other audience that we know maybe don't get this sort of story on a lot of the platform there was only a couple of plant-based podcasts of any note out there they were largely horticultural something a bit more country file which is great but it doesn't really tell that story of the relevance and plants and fungi to everyday life and that's sort of the brief that we we went in with people love audio they love podcasts it doesn't make you look too hard you don't have to look at a screen you can still walk about you can put your headphones in and just zone out and learn something new so it really could be a great opportunity for us to spread into a different medium.
0: And Catherine as the producer of this project it's fair to say this was pretty much your dream podcast production wasn't it
2: Yeah absolutely in fact we have a whole bucket list <laughs> or rather a select bucket list of clients that you know are kind of our dream clients and and actually Q had been on our bucket list for quite some time
0: <laughs> We're not giving any secrets away we had approached Q two or so years ago because we could see the stories that were there we could see that this was a great area of, of topic for podcasts we know what people love we know that there was a wealth of stuff here and we're always looking for brands or clients who can bring stories to the table and where you you know you've got a kind of endless palette of stuff to play with so yeah it was um it was a gift to to see it go out for tender and actually you know just to touch on that for a second because i think it's increasingly something we're seeing in the podcast market that as a brand you put this out as a competitive tender and you invited a certain number of companies uh, us included to pitch why was that and what was the what was the process you went through in order to find the right partner
3: It's worth saying that with any digital product or creative project we do, no matter how big or small, we do try and compare all the different approaches from an agency or an expert because we don't have these skills in-house. And podcast is something or any kind of audio at this level was something that Q hasn't really done to the scale that we wanted it to do. So we needed to consult and see what it would involve, how fa- even to the very little detail of actually how quickly could we get this done? What kind of facets have we not considered that maybe uh, someone with a lot more experience in this could bring to the table? But also we wanted someone to understand Not just who Q was, but who Q wanted to be. So again, it goes back to we are more than just a gardens. We wanted to make more than a show that was, oh, look at this lovely walk around a park that people might mistakenly think us for. And people really to buy into the vision of exciting, thrilling stories that people want to listen to not because a brand wants to put it out but because an audience member wants to listen to this off their own back and the fact that a brand has done it should be second priority so we did go to tender and we had quite a lot of pitches some fantastic ones as well there was a lot of competition and we were just really excited by the approach and the discipline And the schedule mapping that you guys at Fresh Air had come to us with, we know we had a budget constraint that almost every organisation will probably face, particularly in the cultural sector and what you were able to do for that budget. So that's where we sort of landed on Fresh Air. And you did have, compared to some other organisations who approached us or who also fulfilled the brief, uh, some experience of making Boring brands exciting. Now, Q is definitely not boring. We know that. And the Royal Botanic Gardens Q is a brand with Q Gardens at Wakehurst. We've got a lot of different stories, but you were quite happy not to play safe and you were quite happy to push us to consider us being a secondary voice rather than the lead voice of what an audience wanted to hear.
0: Kat, what do you remember about that, that initial tender, that initial brief and, and responding to that and moving that on a level.
3: Was it the time? Was it the time constraint that we gave you? (laughs) I think it might have been that we
2: had quite a short deadline. There was that. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad because I think uh, the brief went out in sort of late January, maybe February time, um, which seems like such a long time ago, given everything that's happened this year. Pre-coronavirus pandemic, we were looking at a very different world. So, um, you know, wanting to bring kind of the maximum ambition to it, we plotted to record this series on location and that's what that's what was kind of at the the heart of a lot of stuff that we do especially working with cultural organizations heritage organizations that are rooted very much in places and spaces being able to step into those places and speak to staff or visitors or people interacting or you know thinking around those kind of topics and themes within a context is really important in how we kind of put the sound of something together so for us it felt like the right thing to do to imagine a programme that was all recorded on location around Q and Wakehurst. Would have been nice. <laughs> With, uh, you know, the, the prerequisites of uh, aeroplanes flying over to Heathrow or whatever, recording, pausing every couple of minutes or whatever. But um, so that was our plan. And the time actually wasn't really a, it was a challenge, but it always is a challenge. We never have enough time to do all the research we want to do but we always get it done (laughs) you know and I think the nice thing about working in depth on a project is that you can kind of lose yourself in it and become immersed and you learn so much as you go along and that process that by the time you actually come to recording and you put people together there's there's something quite special that happens as a result.
3: Well I think it's a really important point to pick up on in that we had this huge aspiration to shoot and record in the gardens obviously we have fantastic location that would be amazing to bring to life in this natural sound we're at the wonderful world of Q and Wakehurst way. Wei. But life got in the way, COVID got in the way, the pandemic got in the way, and everything ground to a halt except for this. This is one of the few projects that us at the Royal Botanic Gardens Q were able to push ahead with, which is a huge success considering people couldn't actually get here. Uh, And that is a real testament to Fresh Air being really creative, thinking on their feet, and insisting that we could do this. We were openly quite nervous not to be able to have the gardens as our backdrop, but actually it just proved that you didn't have to be in the gardens to feel like you were in the world of Q.
2: Yeah, it was actually a really nice opportunity, wasn't it? Because we then we kind of revisited the whole plan. I think we put together a couple of different approaches that we could do, maybe three, the third one being we delay till we can get back in the gardens. You know, I'm personally glad that we didn't because we, (laughs) you know, we we kind of re-approached things with a different treatment entirely. And I think it might be better for it because we had more time for thought more time for you know the, particularly in terms of the narrative voice that we brought to it and the time we gave our presenter to crystallize a bit more and the, the stories to really come to the fore
0: i think it says a few things i think it, it talks to the the adaptability of audio because as we look back on on the pandemic and how this year's panned out there was a phase in late march early april where a lot of our clients completely understandably first reaction was okay we need to stop we need to pull everything we need to you know all the all those plans go out the window and let's just reconvene when all this is over and as I say completely understandable reaction but actually what we did with pretty much all our clients was say okay just pause there for a moment okay we're not going to be in studio Some of the ideas that we had might not be possible. But audio is a medium where you can paint pictures. It's incredibly mobile. It's incredibly adaptable. And we can still go back to the drawing board and think how we can tell those stories. And that's the other thing, that it is a storytelling medium. And you have and had, during this series, incredible stories that were at the core of the podcast, no matter how they were told. And and so the challenge was just how to tell those stories slightly differently. And as you say, actually, we love a creative challenge. Uh, those of us in radio and audio have spent years with clients saying, actually, this is a very visual product. We don't think it'll work in radio. And to us, we go, right, OK, give us 24 hours and we'll prove to you how that product can can work in radio because nothing is purely visual it's emotional it's it's got stories behind it and if you use a medium like audio to its full strength you can tell those stories however it happens I mean having a pandemic is a pretty extreme way of demonstrating that but we made it work so I think Merrill, if, if a quick summary perhaps from you if you don't mind of what those stories are what for those who haven't heard the podcast give us some ideas of those stories that we have told in in this series and why you chose those stories to be the ones
3: sure so Unearthed Mysteries from an Unseen World presented by James Wong on behalf of Royal Botanic Gardens Q should give it its full title <laughs> uh, is a set of thrilling exciting dramatic emotional stories where plants are at the heart of it. Now, we were inspired by two things. Uh, The true crime podcast phenomenon, which obviously is dominating all the charts and everyone, for some reason, loves a grisly murder and loves something on the dark side of life for lots of different reasons that I'm sure we don't need to go into. But also, there was a pop science, planet Earth, David Attenborough movement of people who love the planet, they love seeing cool things, they can tell their friends down the pub and talk about the next day. And in the backdrop of all of this, we also have a largely global movement of conservation, plastic pollution, people who want to make small changes in their everyday lives to save the beautiful planet that we have. So how could we bring all of those three things together uh, and tell a story that's still told the work of Cube? Now, the reason we picked these sort of thrilling stories is because they bring them to life. So episode one, plant trafficking. Who knew that a cycad, different type of plant, could fetch more than a rhino horn on the black market by a significant amount? I don't think anyone really appreciates that. Just as much as any other trafficked illegal product on this planet, plants are also playing this other weird network of criminal backgrounds under the scene that people might understand that the plants that they are seeing and buying on Facebook aren't legal plants. This is all happening right in front of your very eyes. From there you go to murder, how plants and poisons, through the case of the gripping love triangle, uh, how one woman poisoned her... Former lovers, new fiancé or wife, ultimately re- resulting in someone's death. I mean, that's a story that, as tragic and as horrendous as it is, resonates really well with that true crime audience. And then from there, we go for the absolutely heartbreaking, tragic story of a family who lost their daughter to a, an allergy as a result of eating a sandwich. And what human the human body and allergens, and how that interact, how we interact with our food, and how safe is your food, and and the growing interest in food intolerance and food allergens and what that looks like from a human
1: story. Immediately apparent that there was a problem in the food labelling section for this country and something needed to be done about it. So absolutely, we were not going to let this pass without taking action to help save other people, unbeknown to the public, unbeknown to us food that was produced not in a factory, basically, so on site somewhere, but then wrapped and packaged in a very similar, if not sometimes identical way to a factory produced item, the law didn't require that that those food businesses actually list the full ingredients. So sometimes they listed none at all. Sometimes they listed partial ingredients uh, and so on. So it was a real mishmash of situation. And that's how... We got caught out and paid the ultimate price with the death of our child.
0: So Meryl, how did you internally go through the process of choosing the stories, of deciding the theme of the podcast?
3: It's a really good question. Podcasts are so high profile, and they can be very high value. And I guarantee most organizations will have a plethora of people who will want a piece of it. And they all think it should go a certain way. And lots of those have merit and value. Uh, But actually trying to cut through and find the one storyline that's engaging and exciting. But doesn't, and this is the most important thing, and this is where I think that Q really gets it right is we don't want to sound like the organization is speaking now. you must listen. These are our priorities for the next twenty years because no one really wants to hear that unless that's a very niche audience that you've got, and if you have, great. So what we did was try and gather all the different ideas and requirements that lots of these stakeholders and interest parties had, get everyone in a room and really drill down. What does that look like as a story? Could you continue it for 30 minutes to 40 minutes for six episodes? Who might feature on it? What is it that we want our audience to do, see and feel and act on? And when you start unpicking it like that, the stories or the ideas that possibly weren't the right format or the right me and podcasts aren't the right medium for it, they start to naturally fall away. And you start to really hone in on what it is that you're organisation has that's a story worth offering. And we did that and we were very practical about it. I can't take the credit for it entirely. But we had this cross organisational group of all different levels and all different minds. And that was really important as well, because the best ideas always come out of the weirdest places. And we drilled down to about 15 different story ideas. And then from that, a little editorial board drilled that further down into four. These are four things that we think we could create a series, one, if not two out of. And then we tasked those little subgroups to go and actually make the thing a little prototype. It's about six to seven minutes long with, you know, very rough and ready. We got scientists or contributors or mates to appear on it uh, to sort of fill in those different roles. And they led from something a lot more scientific, something very debatey uh, and almost panelly to something that was probably more resembled desert island discs and and through gardens, which if you saw the brief did make sense, it might not make sense now, but it did make sense. And then, you know, something that was a lot more true crime than actually what we have that we ended up with, where we could sort of take pieces of all those puzzles and, and put it together in a story. And then with the help of a market research agency, we tested them with real people who are real podcast listeners. And we wanted a group of people who we knew were interested in podcasts. First of all, they love audio. They probably cared about the world in some format. They were maybe active citizens, or they certainly had an interest in building a better world. And those people either had various levels of familiarity with Q, right from I'm a Q member to I've never heard of this place. They listened to them and they gave us live feedback. What is it they liked? What is it they didn't like? What formats did they like? What voices didn't they like? Did they like sound effects? Did they not? Did they prefer something that was one long flow or did they want something that was segmented that they could sort of dip in and out of? And that was the most valuable piece of research I think I've ever been a part of because it really helped us prove to your internal decision makers, and there will always be decision makers, why certain ideas work and why certain ideas didn't. And then they can make the overall editorial decision of where that investment should be, based on the data. And we're lucky to have such an open-minded group of decision makers at Q who, who want to do what's best for the product. So they picked, the, the which was hands down the favourite, was this sort of true crime approach.
2: I think from the off, from the very first meeting with Q as well, it was really exciting to see kind of the amount of thought that had gone into the approach and the fact that it was completely led by the people that you you were speaking to. It was all about the audience. And so your approach of not letting Q's kind of strategic goals and what it wanted to communicate getting in in the way of engaging with people about stuff that was really relevant and interesting to them in a way that they were going to feel really compelled by was really cool to work with. Well it's interesting because strategic
3: approaches people often think oh your corporate strategy or your goals can get in the way of good storytelling it's dry it's boring and people just want to have a podcast with the organisation is speaking now kind of approach but actually if you look at what a strategy is trying to do it's trying often to excite the audience with the product that you're that you have and it wants to do that in a place that makes sense to that audience now some people need to be a bit brave and that's fine and Q was very brave in taking this approach but ultimately it pays off and you can get a lot of inspiration if you read between the lines of what your strategy is trying to tell you to do.
0: Catherine also the way that Fresh Air works is we have lots of different producers that we use on a project by project basis for different types of client and each producer has different specialisms but you personally you've worked on English Heritage, Historic England, National Trust, lots of projects where frankly you disappear off for about three months and we don't hear from you and you just dive into the topic and absorb yourself in it and, and that's how you love to work and this, that's why this project was perfect for you. Can you describe a little bit about what you do when you get a brief like this and, and go and live and breathe it for a while?
2: Yeah, well, I think the nicest thing about that approach is, um, well, I'll have to find a way to insult you later, Neil, because I'm going to say something nice right now. But um, okay. it, I really like working with you because you you allow producers to do that. You allow people to kind of follow, you know, firstly work on the areas they're passionate about, you put the right people on the right projects, and then you allow them to uh, immerse themselves in it to that extent that they can get as close to kind of that product as, pos- as possible. So... Um, Anyway, and working with Q, I think the way we approached it was, Meryl, you invited me to the gardens and I came several times and, and you you set up all these meetings so that I could have these firstly face to face and then when, when the pandemic arrived um, over the phone calls with people and... Actually being allowed to talk one to one with the most incredible scientists and influential people within their space who were having these amazing ideas and who were so passionate to the point of they're in tears telling a story about something that means so much, you know, that's it's so infectious that I mean, I must have written a book of notes that <laughs> if it wasn't for the typos. I think you said yeah, that. Exactly.
0: What that approach and that story, those stories allowed us to do from a tactical point of view, you mentioned it earlier, merrill from a tactical point of view, it means that this series sits in the true crime category and in the science category of, of iTunes. It sits alongside things like Serial. It pulls in an audience who they wouldn't go searching for plant podcasts. They wouldn't go searching for horticulture, but they're pulled into storytelling. And I keep saying it, but storytelling is at the heart of all podcasts, really, and particularly of this one. And, and Catherine, from your point of view, what it allowed you to do is to use the grammar, the sonic grammar of true crime, music, sound effects, etc., to tell those stories and, and, again, make it feel like it lives in that genre rather than in the horticultural side. Talk us through that a bit. How do you import that sonic approach into something like this?
2: Well, yeah, that was that was an interesting challenge, actually. Firstly, when we were recording on planning on recording on location, I think we pushed a lot of kind of how we would process that to the end of the production. But then when we realised we were going to have the opportunity to record everything remotely and take a more narrative approach, we then kind of went back, re-scripted and thought more about how we tell the stories with a little more creative. So bringing in sound design, sound effects and really painting a picture. So, I mean, it was really fun to work with James on writing that as well, because you know, your imagination kind of just fires up with these topics. But
3: it is super important and you understood our creative process as well. We have a good briefing system and obviously a good brief is at the heart of any creative product, but there is a lot of Daily, Oh, you know what I mean when I say the word X? I need that feeling to come through. And I think that's where Catherine and I and Joe had a really good working relationship because we spoke the same language of, oh, you know what I mean when I say master chefy That's That's the kind of t- <laughs> the briefing that you go to once you have your big document, you get into the nitty gritty of trying to understand the sentiment that you're trying to convey. And it is a really good working relationship that we had for you to understand that and work with it and adapt to Merrill speak.
2: Yeah. And and the nice thing is, you know, you always kind of hold your breath to see how it's received as well by people that, have never, you know, that aren't close to this, these subjects that, you know, maybe listen to true crime or maybe they listen to science podcasts. Maybe they listen to both. And, you know, it's kind of it. it's really nice to see that, that you know, the numbers have gone well and people have people have enjoyed listening to it and continued listening to it and it's it's basically opened new perspectives on these stories as well
3: and great critical reception we wanted to make something that people took seriously and as a serious podcast and that could compete with the big big crime or big science podcasts, uh, which this has done. And we were really pleased with the reviews that came in, that this wasn't something that our PR team would have to fight to get eyes on. People were very willing to say, oh, yeah, we'll feature this in the top 10. It's great. Um, We'll do this as a one to listen to. And we, you know, we wanted to do the holiday listens. But actually, there was a audience, a more bigger audience at home, just with nothing to do looking for content to devour. We approached you know, we the mainstream papers, but we also tried our luck with some of the sort of Facebook feed, you know, did you watch good news movement, cool thing, cool viral stories as well to see well, if there was any appetite for that. We tried the New Scientist, we were in Wired. And obviously we had James and his huge, fantastic organic reach that he has on his social channels, which definitely would have played a role. It's one of the reasons that we were so pleased to have him on board. He's a Q ambassador as well. So he represents our brand really nicely. But to have uh, such a great presenter with an established reach who already does what it is that we want to do, which is make plants and fungi sexy and cool. And that just was a really great marriage for us. And it made sense completely as a product.
2: Feel strange that we actually haven't mentioned James until this point as well, because.
3: <laughs> I know we should mention James. We should
0: yeah. mention James because it was.
2: I mean, in terms of uh, like a presenter proposal and a selection process, um this was probably one of the easiest and most obvious because we we all just kind of aligned. Think it, it's it's got to be him, and luckily
3: <laughs> he was into it. I mean, it was one of those things where you think will he say yes? (laughs) Will he want to do this? Has he got time and his schedule to do this? James is incredibly busy. And we talked to his agent and we talked to him and he was off the bat, needed no persuasion. He was really hands on as well, which is exactly what we wanted. Because even though we had ideas about our story, Catherine had crafted these great scripts, we wanted James to make it his own as well, because it works better that way when the presenter is so naturally involved with the subject. And we were really pleased to see that he had very small amends to make and very small suggestions. And he, could just run with it and take it where it needed to go on the fly which is even better it was a very natural partnership and experience
0: so we mentioned earlier numbers have been really good and they have we've been you know really really chuffed with the number of people who've listened to this and so we regard it as a success uh, because we love it and we're really happy with the with how it sounds how objectively are you measuring it as a success how are you Judging whether this was a good investment for Q, uh,
3: we're still thinking about that now. But what we what we wanted was good critical review and good public reception, which we've got. It was a new product, so we were starting from zero. There is nothing to compare it to, and to see those numbers go up is really, uh, I mean, it, it's pleasing. It's lovely to watch. We know what we have, you know, appetite and excitement for season two. If we can get the budget to fund it, we would love to do a season two, and just seeing it organically grow incrementally. We don't want it to be just this thing that someone listened to one year and forgets about. We want this to be almost like a cult following where people start to hear about it and that those numbers just keep going up. You know, it would be a success if they made a Netflix series, I'm sure, but we'll take, we'll take <laughs> a humble successes where they can. So we are, we are overall really pleased with an organisation. Internally, the people who are behind uh, Q shifting its perception right to that scientific world-leading organisation at the forefront of these global issues. And and those are the people that really make the decisions as to what projects can and cannot be commissioned. They are over the moon with this. This is exactly the narrative that we want to play and it is at a quality that we want. We often have had feedback saying, oh, this is is BBC radio show quality. We love it.
0: So for those, for your peers who are listening, other organisations, whether they're cultural, whether they're corporate, there's lots of people at the moment thinking about doing a podcast. It's a cool thing to do. Um, not everybody gets it right. So as someone who's got it right, what advice, what tips would you give to others who are thinking of doing the same thing?
3: Have more time. <laughs> I think have more time is definitely one. We, we we were gifted more time because of the pandemic. So I would always want to, to to really know that subject and stick as tight to the brief that we've set ourselves as possible. And I would take some learnings from the stats that come out, actually, once we know how long people listen for, it would be great to do some research as to when people, everyone drops off, very few people will listen to something completely in full in one go, and we, we accept that. But why were there certain drop-offs and returns at certain points? And we can use that as a lesson. I think we're still, still fresh from the podcast. We need a bit more time for it to sink in before we do a proper debrief, which I hope to do. I wouldn't change a lot else. It's been fun. Actually, though, no, from a personal point of view, it's been really fun. It's an exci- I love working on audio. You don't get to do it that much. Working with a great production company has been fab, and we have great contributors. And the stories are really easy to tell. It's been a great experience.
0: So there we go. That was unearthed mysteries from an unseen world, from Royal Botanic Gardens, Kew, the home to Kew Gardens and Wakehurst. Thanks to Meryl Westlake, the Senior Digital Content Manager at Royal Botanic Gardens Q, and to our own Catherine Kerr, Senior Producer here at Fresh Air. If you'd like to find out more about how we at Fresh Air can make a brilliant branded podcast for your business, just go to freshairproduction.co.uk. In the meantime, I've been Neil Cowan. Thank you very much indeed for listening and goodbye.